This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. Hello, this is the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels, and you can't tell, but right now I'm dressed as Deacon and not the Fallen Angel because I'm at Waterworld, and you are listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast because there's degrees. There's a little bit busted open, but this is Busted Wide Open. You're listening to us, so thanks for listening. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts... Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. I don't even know if this has an episode number. This is our recap show for AEW Double or Nothing that literally just finished. My name is Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and yes, Nick, it did just finish, and yes, this is the Double or Nothing recap show, because we just watched AEW Double or Nothing, and it was, it was something. It was something for sure, Nick. I'm looking forward to discussing this, breaking down the whole thing, because uh, it, they, did, they did a lot more than I think we expected with what looked to be, going into it, a fairly middling card. Yes. Uh, and once again, AEW brings us something's that we have not seen before, at least some of it, not in a while. No. But, Nick, we can't break it down yet. we got to do a little bit of housekeeping, yes. and then we can get in and break down Double or Nothing. In case you're new here, just a quick little recap, BWOPodcast.com or the links in the description here on YouTube. If you're watching, you can find all of our groups. Come join us on in, in our Facebook group. It's a lot of fun, really positive environment. Uh, you can also follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWOPodcast. Make sure you're subscribed right here to the YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash BustedWideOpen. And jingle that little notification bell so you get notified anytime we go live or put up new content, such as our new series starting Monday, affectionately titled BWO Daily, because it'll be our new daily news show where we'll bring you all of the haps with the graps around professional wrestling and sports entertainment. So make sure you subscribe right here at youtube.com slash busted wide open. And if you want to get in on some more exclusive type of rewards, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. It is the best way to support the show. A huge shout out to all of our phenomenal ones. Lots of them here in the live chat on YouTube. Thank you guys for hanging with us all day and all night today. It has been a long day. My voice is starting to go in case you guys can hear that. But it has been a long night of an absolutely fun time. But if you guys would like to get in on some of the rewards, patreon.com slash BWO. Oh, man, let's just <laughs> let's get right into this and talk about double or nothing. <laughs> well, Nick, that's right. We started off double or nothing with the buy-in, the pre-show, best friends versus private party. This was for the number one contendership for the tag team titles. Basically, whoever won this was going to go on to face 
Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, who are, of course, the current champs. It was a fun little pre-show match. That's pretty much all we had to say about this. It was fun. Both teams made it entertaining. It was you nothing really more to it than that. It was just a nice little wrestling match. It was an exciting way to start the show. Wet your whistle, an appetizer. It was exactly that. It functioned. It did its. It performed its function, and the best friends won. They, they, the story here coming into this was the best friends have been on a roll. Yep. Uh, they private party has been strong, but best friends have have really been on a roll lately, and they followed up with a win here, which means that at some point in the near-ish future. They were going to get a title shot. Yep. And deservedly so. Now, the question is, is did they make too many enemies along the way? Mm. Uh, whether that's Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc, or whether that's the Lucha Brothers or who are, and, and Death Triangle, did they create too much disruption along the way so that they actually get messed with on the road to Hangman and Omega? That is the question. But again, Nick, this was just a fun little match. It was the typical kind of pre-show match that you want when you're trying to encourage people to buy your pay-per-view. Yeah. Really nothing, nothing more to say about it than that. The last thing I'll throw in there is that I said it earlier today on the show, the best friends snuck, kind of sneakily got their way into being number one contenders for the titles. Uh, I think this cements that. Uh, they are that number one contender. Your point is valid, though, about enemies along the way. And frankly, I think they should go get those titles off of Hangman and Omega because they're too busy dealing with the inner circle. And I look at if you put the titles on the best friends, what? look at all the enemies they've now created waiting for them to get those titles, and we're going to have this boiling tag division that's going to come out of it. So I'm, I'm a fan. I don't, personally, I don't think Hangman and... and Kenny Omega should have ever had the tag titles in the first place, but that's well, yeah, but different you, conversation for another wrestlers. day. You hate two singles wrestlers having the titles. We know that. So that aside, it just didn't make a lot of sense at the time either. <laughs> so, listen, I think them getting the number one contendership, go get those titles. You've now got Death Triangle. You've got um, uh, Lucha Bros. Death Triangle. You've got uh, all kinds of tag teams. Young Bucks. Young Bucks are still actually a tag team right? that are around that can do stuff. So I, so, yeah, there's plenty for the best the friends to do there. once they get those titles in their hands, and I'm I'm all in for it. So good for them. Yep, looking to see what happens next. But then we went to the main show, Nick, and we got to the opening match, the Casino Royale ladder match, the the match that would determine the new number one contender for for the for what at the time was John Moxley's heavyweight championship, the AEW championship. Whoever won this got a title shot at whoever held that belt. And we knew that we had uh, Darby Allen, and we knew that Joey Janela was stepping in for Phoenix, Luchasaurus, Orange Cassidy, Scorpio Sky, uh, Kazarian, Kip Sabian. So we knew we had, uh, 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 and Colt Cabana. So we knew we had a bunch of guys in this. Jimmy Havoc also showed up and played spoiler, even though he wasn't actually in the match. It was kind of like having an extra guy. But then there was this nebulous ninth guy that was going to be in the match so someone was going to show up and we didn't know who it was mm. and Nick right before we did this we did our pickums yep and one of the things we said was he could be a big spoiler whoever this is you know speculation was out there about who are free agents right now who could come in and step in could they play a big spoiler because really we were looking at all these guys who were in this match and either they've had their title shots or it just really didn't seem like they were the right time for them. Right. So, like, no one seemed to make sense. Scorpio's guy. So, we were debating sense. it. To you, but he'd already had his shot yeah. again. All right. Him and Kazarian both had matches six months ago. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Still, it's, it would have been too soon to have it again. Fair. I felt. I felt. And I felt like they agreed with how I felt 
because the ninth man turned out to be none other than Brian Cage, the the machine, the Swolverine, yes. coming off of injury after leaving Impact, showed up and immediately looked like a beast. So this was really fun because you started off with, uh, with uh, SCU. You had Kazarian and Scorpio in the ring alone. And then every two minutes, somebody came in. So it was kind of Royal Rumbley, where extra guys came in all the time. And a lot of fun business to, that happened here. Uh, and I don't want to bore everybody by going through every single move that ever happened. But you had Darby Allen doing some absolutely big spots and taking himself out of the equation in doing so. You had Kip Sabian eating some huge bumps. Uh, you had some really fun Orange Cassidy stuff that also led into some fun Colt Cabana stuff. Um, Jimmy Havoc, of course, was playing spoiler to a lot of people. Joey Janela came in and just ran around like a little machine and took everybody out. Uh, but it really picked up when Cage showed up and absolutely murdered everyone. Climbed the ladder with Orange Cassidy on his back and everyone having to trying to pull him down. And the only way they could stop him was by taking him outside the ring and covering him in ring barricades and one of those gigantic double-nothing chips, chip props that they had. And he even actually took, um, what was it? Someone took a, Joey Janela, I think it was, what was it, like a Death Valley driver off of the ring apron onto that thing, onto Orange Cassidy? Yeah. On top of Cage? That might have been when I was napping. Oh, no. Nick, I no. can't believe you you skipped over the part where Cage walks out for the first time, and he just, he's got carrying his old ladder. Like, he's bringing his old ladder to the match, and then just rips it in half and he throws it off. rips the ladder in <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, now, if we, could, if we could just get him to help us with that women's championship. Oh, rip that in exactly. Um, but he also, Nick, you also, you skipped over the part where he came out not only with the ladder, but he came out with Taz. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the match, he rises from the dead from underneath this pile of stuff on the side of the ring. And Taz comes back out with his orange towel, you know, telling him what to do. And Brian Cage goes in, murderizes some more people, climbs up the ladder fairly easily, and boom, takes the chip. He is your number one contender for the championship. Brian Cage has arrived in AEW. He's being cornered by Taz. Taz is his corner man. And he looked pretty, pretty damn beastly. In this match, if I do say so myself. So I, the I question I have for you, there's a couple of questions I had coming out of this. Okay. One, one is the last person the cage killed. He put Darby Allen on a little ladder and he chucked him out of the ring into another bigger ladder, which just looked like an absolutely brutal spot. But of course, we've been talking about Darby and Taz and how Darby keeps rejecting Taz's help. And you said, yeah, da Tar Darby shouldn't be with Taz. Well, it looks like he's not going to be now. Taz, I, and, I, and you know what? Here's the thing. I, foot and mouth. Taz is a better combination with Cage. It also he means is. they have plans for Cage, if, I, if I'm being honest. It does, but it also means that now they have plans for Darby. Uh-huh. Because now Darby has beef with Taz and Cage. Uh-huh. So now you have two things going on here. You have Cage with the, with the title shot, and you have Darby with a grudge. So they've set themselves up with a lot of things. The other question I majorly had here for you, Nick, was do you feel like it's fair? And it's something that we critique in the other company, but it's something that, that happens here, and it happened here. Is it fair to bring in a guy out of nowhere and not have him do that many spots in this match in addition, by the way? He did a couple of spots and then laid down for the entire match and then came back at the end to win it. So he came out of nowhere, hasn't been in the company, comes in, doesn't do a whole lot, and wins this huge opportunity in this match and looks like a beast. You mean like is Brody that Lee? Fair to, or like Brock Lesnar. Right. Is that fair to do to all these other guys who have been working their asses off in this match and in the company in general 
to have Cage jump the line, in a sense. I mean, it's easy to make, because they're both jacked, it's easy to make the comparison to Lesnar. It's easy to make to, to make that where he's skipping the line and all that stuff. I think it adds some excitement and allure to the AEW championship because here's the new guy, and now that we know the results of the rest of the evening, uh, we know what to look forward to. Who else was going to be Mox's next contender? Right? And we even Lance said it to, we well we even said it today earlier he couldn't even get it never mind we'll talk about that uh, in a we'll get to that we'll get to um that. so we even talked about it earlier on the show today like we don't see and you even said it here all of these other guys either had their shot or it's not their time so bring in somebody who you absolutely go yep he's a contender and I don't think Ricky Starks would have pulled that off but I think Brian Cage absolutely pulled that off. No, you're right, and there was a reason why my pick was to pick the ninth guy and then to say that it was going to be Brian Cage, and I was right on both counts because he was the guy who, if he came in, would immediately look and feel like a number one contender. Ricky Starks, maybe not so much. Yeah. Maybe maybe he would feel you know like a contender for the new TNT championship, but not for the number one. Cage comes in and immediately... I mean, he he came into Lucha Underground. Immediately felt like immediately was in a championship picture. Immediately, yep. Came into Impact. Immediately the championship picture. Like he's a dude who looks legit. So, yeah, it's something that booking wise you can kind of go eh, at, but you can't argue with the fact that the dude comes in looking like a legitimate contender, and he can go. He can he looks good working in the ring, so he's got he ticks all the boxes as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and as we said. No one else who was in this match looked that way coming into it. You and I being LA boys, we can't be mad at, at Cage being an AEW. Well, no, there, there's Cage, no Cage, way. <laughs> that's I didn't want to show my bias, but Cage, right. Cage is actually in real life. He's a sweetheart. We, so we I, have I've heavy gotta, bias towards the the the, the, yeah, the Swolverine. He's a good dude. So, <laughs> uh, listen, I, I think Jared in the chat right there. Is it fair? Maybe not, but some guys are top card material and aren't. Cage definitely has it. That's all you got. That's all you need to say right there. That's exactly it, Jared. Is all mm -hmm. we even said it ourselves? All those guys that are in that list right there that were in the ladder match, you can't say that about any of them really. But Cage, mm -hmm. you absolutely can. So what? what what's the line from Labyrinth? Jennifer Connelly said, "No, it's not. You know, it's not fair. But sometimes that's just how it is." Yep. yep. Exactly. Uh, also, something that just didn't feel fair: MJF versus Jungle Boy, the next match on the card. Uh, we said this might be a sleeper match on the card, and I would argue that when you go back and look at this in the future, you'll go back and look at this match and be like, damn, these guys were having baller matches from the start because this was beautiful. Yeah, This was two guys who should not be as good as they are for the age that they are. This was a really well-worked match. It was exciting. It had a bunch of great spots. Both these guys put in work. Uh, people have accused MJF of not working enough matches like this. Here you go. Um, it was a really good showcase for both guys. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll harken back to the, the press call that Cody had again, and I think I said it in the Discord. Uh, one of the things that he said in passing in response to someone's question was, their question was, who are the next big breakout stars that you have your eye on? Who's the future of AEW yep. beyond who's at the top of the card now? And the first two he said were MJF and Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. We're, we're they're gonna the be, long term. They're, they're, they are the five years from now, they're going to be the top guys. Uh, you in invest the in them; they'll they'll absolutely they'll pay oh off. Oh my dividends. god! And, and frankly, they're and, already getting to the point where they're two of the two of the. T I mean, who can match MJF on the mic right now? Maybe Adam Cole. 
Jericho. Jericho, yeah. So, I mean, it's it, he's already at that caliber. <laughs> yeah. We just said two of the best all-time mic workers. Yeah, and in, we're put, in, he's already being put in that category. And it's it's consistent. It's been, you know, a few years since he's really broken out of the mainstream. Right. And show what he can do, you know, and, and it's – no one's ever sat there and gone, ah, he slipped up. It's been consistent the entire time how good he is. Yeah. And then he can go and do a match like this in the ring. So you got that. Jungle Boy is just a natural, just, just absolutely make him in a mold baby face. Um, and building a long-term rivalry between these guys now, which is what this feels like. This feels like two guys who just don't like each other, who are being put in the same category, who are going to keep coming back to each other over and over and over in their career. This is, I feel, the beginning of a fight forever kind of relationship between these two guys where they're just going to get better in terms of how they do. If they're already doing matches that are this tight and this solid and this technical um, with that beautiful, very unique roll-up finish, the cover that that MJF had at the end to sneak out a win over Jungle Boy, uh, plus a lot of, I mean, just a lot of the reversals, a lot of the sequences. If they're doing that now, imagine if you have them continue to come back and go back to each other over and over again over the next few years, you're going to have an all-time rivalry. Yeah. And I, and I don't mean to sound that, that sound as hyperbro- has hyperbolic, JR. Hyperbolic as, uh, as, I, as it may come out sounding, but uh, yeah, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised. I'm not even surprised. I knew these guys could do this. I was like, yeah, way to go, guys. Way to go. I think we've uh, all wanted to see that. MJF has either yeah. been hiding behind Cody or after the turn, hiding oh, behind Wardlow. Yeah. Uh, Jungle Boy has somewhat, other than his title shot with Jericho, has been hiding behind Luchasaurus, or we've mostly been distracted by the antics of Marco Stunt and the sort of lunacy of his, his tiny size. But this is I feel like this is the primetime spot that Jungle Boy finally got uh, eight, nine months into Dynamite. And, and AEW TV and pay-per-views that we we needed to get, and it was a, just this match could not have gone any better for both of these guys. Absolutely agreed. agreed. And even having MJF pull out the win at the end, um, and it was a technical. It was, it was he just technically out wrestled Jungle Boy just for a split second at the end. It was pretty much the story that it was being told. Leaves it open. It makes it feel like a any given Sunday kind of thing. You know, Jungle Boy's arm was busted, and and MJF just. He just was better than him in that one second. It leaves it open for more later. It, it, Jungle Boy can afford the loss because, again, babyface, better at chasing. MJF as a heel, better having those wins where he can just be cocky about it, having that undefeated record. It's going to be good for him to gloat about and make us hate him even more. Right. So even, even though I, didn't, I picked Jungle Boy to pull it out here because I thought that was going to be the end of the feud, you wisely picked MJF because, yeah, that's what they it went with. Time. And that I. And, and looking at how it went down, that's, I think, the right call. Yeah. However, however, this next match, not so much. Cody versus Lance Archer. We had thoughts on this. We had, uh, we had thoughts on how this was going to turn out for a few weeks now. Uh, Cody versus Lance Archer for the inaugural TNT title, TNT championship belt, uh, which was brought out by Mike Tyson. And boy, they say first first uh, first impressions count. First impressions of this belt not good. It made made the twenty four seven belt look nice. It did not right. look good. It looked like it was made out of tin. Only a couple of letters were were embossed. The it was it's on a red 
almost it, 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 maybe it's leather, but it looked like vinyl, and it was a different. It was a lighter shade than the Universal Championship when it was a Raw Championship. Um, the commentary was very quick to jump in and say, "Don't worry, guys, it's unfinished." Problems with COVID and logistics yep. and shipping and supply chain and all that stuff, right? Uh, apparently, it's going to be a platinum belt. And they're going to emboss it some more. Cool. Hey, as soon as they said that, I gave, I completely yep. let them off the hook. I'm like, all right, then cool. Yep. I'm glad I'm not crazy. It looked unfinished, and it was. So, whew, okay, no worries. We're going to go get the belt fi- fixed up at some point. All good. No harm, no foul. Let's get on to the match. Uh Cody versus Lance Archer with Jake the Snake Roberts and Arn Anderson ringside. And, boy, they booked this to high hell, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Uh, and, and to the point where it got to just uh, kind, of, kind of exhaustion because I wanted to see Cody and Lance Archer actually just have a knockdown dragout fight. Not a match, a fight. Because their, yeah. their mentors and their, their coaches in their corners have been doing a lot of the work outside of the ring for them on their behalf. And listen, I, I and I love all of that stuff, but I, when we got to this point, this was supposed to be the climax, the culmination of all of that work they've been doing for months now. Uh, all of these matches for the TNT title, and most of what I saw in this match was all of the shit that was orbiting the match, all of the stuff that was going on outside. You had Arn Anderson and Jake Roberts doing their thing. You had Mike Tyson being... Silly and Mike telling Tyson. kick being Mike Tyson. And I'm just I'm sitting there going, I don't want to watch what's going on outside the ring anymore, guys. I want to see these two guys have a fight. So we, we got little sprinklings here and there of them having the fight amongst all of this other stuff that was going on. And it took some of the shine off of it for me. It took it took my just uh, it did it didn't it didn't need it. No. And but at the same time, I was entertained by this match because I loved the fact that Lance Archer throughout the entire match genuinely looked like a goddamn monster, screaming at the crowd, manhandling Cody, letting Cody hit him and no-selling it, kicking out on one of some of Cody's moves. Uh, just, I mean, he just destroyed Cody for 90% of this match, yeah. um, which he should have. That was how he was built. That's how he was sold. Um, and... The only reason Cody won is because Archer got overconfident. Arn Anderson crotched him on the top rope at one point. Arn and Jake were then ejected from ringside. Uh, Jake came back with his snake. Mike Tyson jumps up to cut Jake off at the pass, take off his shirt and scare off Jake because Jake doesn't want to get punched by Mike Tyson. And we want to just concentrate on Cody and Lance Archer. And having Lance go out like this, even though he went out to two... uh, to two of Cody's crossroads, it felt a little bit forced. Yep. You know what I mean? Like he 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 wore down, but it seemed arbitrary that he was worn down. So, yeah, I I listen. the The dynamics of this match as a whole, I felt like Lance Archer was building it to the point. I think the two crossroads at the end for Cody to pull it off, I am not. Um, I'm not a fan of how this finished and I want to put aside all of my, like what I wanted out of this and just say, listen, throwing two crossroads is, has been proven to be a devastating move. We get that. But Lance Archer whooped Cody's ass for 20 minutes. So the fact that he just went down to two crossroads after that entire beating, the fact that Cody could still deliver two crossroads after that beating and after that 
manhandling um, was just a little bit off to me. It made me... It's hard to be upset at Cody winning a title after everything he's been through and losing the opportunity to ever compete for the AEW championship again. But at the same time, I'm like, what do you do with Lance Archer now? What do you do with Jake Roberts now? Does Lance Archer come back even more pissed off and more murder hawk? I hope. But but at the same time, you've just kind of made irrelevant everything that they were saying about Lance Archer because he's been defeated now. Well, kind of, but two things. One, it took a lot of, of extraneous stuff to beat him, one. Two, uh, he looked like he was going to kill Cody the entire match. The only reason that he didn't was because of outside kerfufflery. You know? Yeah. Like distractions from Mike Tyson, distractions from Arn Anderson, getting cocky. Like, he looked like he could like, there's no reason he shouldn't have beaten Cody. So that, at least, I think, was, was a saving grace for Lance Archer. Um Cody, in addition, Cody winning this title. So he's now forever the first ever TNT champion. And that's one reason why I picked Cody to win this was because as much as Lance Archer is being built as a star, he's still going to be a star with this loss. Cody needs to have his name imprinted on this brand somehow. And, you know, it looked like he might be the inaugural champion, but that would have made it seem a little bit too fait accompli and a little too uh, nepotistic. This is kind of like an, all right, he had to have something kind of thing, right? I'll give him a buy. It, it left a bit of an awkward taste in my mouth here, but at the same, same. time, at the same time, I, I, I'm not that mad at it. Um, do you think it was disappointing that there was no physicality between Arn and Jake or Mike Tyson didn't punch somebody? Like, was that a little bit disappointing to you? The fact that there was that much going on outside the ring and there was no physicality was kind of a double down on like, well, okay, well, you're continuing to tease me and you're not following through on any of it. So, yeah, there was a little bit of a letdown there that, you know, I liked, I saw Tyson come out. Was Tyson going to kill the snake? You know, uh, a la Earthquake. So it felt a little bit like false advertising. Right. Obviously, they didn't false advertise. They just were like, the whole thing was like, everybody's thinking about possibilities. And it's like, okay. Yeah, you made us think about possibilities. We're fantasy booking what Mike Tyson is going right. to do in a wrestling <laughs> ring again, right? He was falling asleep and so he, they was cut to him and he was yawning. <laughs> and they and cut, then cut away cut from back, it real quick. They cut away from him real quick and they go back to him and he's all like hyped up. He's like, yeah, I love this shit, uh, which was awesome. I, uh, Jesus. He was, he was just seeing Mike Tyson with the gray beard and still, by the way, jacked yeah. for a 50-year-old guy. I hope I look that uh, good at 53. But he had the same kind of like I don't like like goofy grin on his face, like I don't know what I'm doing here thing that he had for WrestleMania 15, where he's just like I'm just happy to be here, man. It was it was cute, it was beautiful. Um, I don't know. Again, at the end of the day, I was entertained by this match. Uh, didn't end quite how I expected, but it didn't end wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna die on this hill. No. I'm, and I picked Cody I, to win. So. I, I don't want to be that upset about it. I would have just liked to have seen them have an actual match uninterrupted without all of the distractions going on, without all but of the things the, competing for our attention and focus. Sure. There was a little bit but ADD, again, honestly. Agreed, but I guess my counter-argument to that is could they have had Cody win without all that extraneous no. stuff? Exactly. Yeah. So. Penelope Ford versus Chris Statlander was next. This was a thrown-together match because Britt Baker went down with a nasty knee injury, which they, they gave us an update on. Uh, and they Broke gave us out a whole the bunch X-rays of... and everything. Jesus, Doc X-rays Samson and putting it down. 
whole bunch of terminology that WWE couldn't dream up in their wildest dreams. And saying the injury uh, isn't near spray. as bad as the patient. <laughs> Doc the Samson taking shots. I love it. Doc Samson shooting over the bow. I loved it. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, but this was, this was, of all the matches on the card, I think the match that was just kind of there. It was not bad. It was not outstanding. It was fine. No, I think the original intention was to have Britt Baker in a match. Britt Baker has worked her way up to be sort of right behind Sheeta uh, in contention for the women's title. And I think this match, you know, due to the tag match we had on Dynamite, was there to have to really cement Chris Statlander as that in that position over Britt Baker so that she could be the one to go up. Now, because we know what we know, um, it, that makes that a little bit more muddied. But, yeah, I think that just Penelope Ford came in to eat the pin instead of where Britt Baker was going to eat the pin originally. So I, this was okay. It was fine. It wasn't anything to write yeah. home about. It was a match. Was fine, but what it did do is make Chris Statlander look strong again. Yep, and you know she came out. She looked pretty dominant against Penelope, who got some offense in, but it made Chris look strong. And if they're having her go for a title shot at some point in the future, she looks strong coming out of this. She looks like someone who's a big part of the women's division. Yep. So yeah, it was fine. We both picked her to win because it didn't make sense to have Penelope step in no. and beat Chris at this point. One thing I do want to call out: uh, I do think somebody's listening to the show over there. Maybe Chris. How so? Maybe them. I've been saying for a long time to give. Uh, some sort of stakes or element of something to the boop. And if you noticed, she was running around the faces side of the ring, booping all of them, and she was doing her best in the early part of the match to try and boop Penelope Ford. And Penelope was doing everything she could to prevent it from happening. So I think one of the things that I've said on here is make the boop mean something. Give it some Well, in these of... days of social distancing, Nick, I can see why she didn't want to be touched. Fair. But <laughs> I'm... all of the other I... people... I know what you're saying. You know what I don't saying? know if there's really meaning. There's no real meaning to it yet. They haven't, still haven't done that. Her, her, her gimmick is still kind of there. It's not really a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is she literally an alien? Is she playing an alien? Is she just weird and loves astronomy? What's her deal? We don't know. And without really knowing, then it's just kind of like, okay, she's a weird chick. Why should I root for her? The very the, Her name so, says the alien. So I'm taking it as she's an alien. Just like we take The Undertaker at face value like, being an undead like warlock. Like Mork and Mindy? Like she's just weird because she's sure. you know, figuring out Earth? Sure. Then then turn into that. Like show yeah. us more of that besides just her pe touching people's noses. I think they're going to. I don't know. I don't know. Well, they need to. Yeah. They need to. Yeah. Next up, we had Sean Spears coming out. He declared on uh, his news segment this week that he believed Dustin Rhodes was retired because no one had seen or heard of him. And so to mock him, he put a match on the card where it was him versus Dustin Rhodes. He came out in an ill-fitting suit and said, uh, that's right, Aubrey, start the match, start counting Dustin out because this is a match, wins and losses matter, and he's retired, I'm going to mock him. He even had Dustin's music play, and he kind of uh, looked like he was shocked, and then he turned back to the camera and goes, ah, gotcha. But as Aubrey is counting out Dustin, Dustin's music hits again, Sean Spears screaming at the guys in the back. I said once, guys, come on, just once. We don't need to do it again. Out comes Brandy, and Sean starts looking a little bit confused. And then from off camera, coming into view from behind Sean Spears, the large imposing form of Dustin Rhodes shows up behind him, spins him around, and proceeds to whip his ass pillar to post. 
in the process, Disrobed ripping off him his, Ric Flair style too. By the robed way, <laughs> him down to his skivvies and his ankle suspenders. He had suspenders on his socks. His, he had oh my stars and garters. He had garters, and he, he also had a garters weird, on. It's he had a print on his boxer briefs of Tully Blanchard's face. I thought and his I still jump, don't know what that was about. I thought his when they were he was doing rope runs and, and whips and everything. Uh, I, I thought his junk had slipped out of his boxer briefs because we didn't really get a close up shot of it. And I'm like, oh god, cut the camera! <laughs> well, at one point, like he was trying to get out of the ring, and Dustin grabbed him by his briefs and pulled those things all the way down to halfway down his thighs. He got one of those as oh kind of oh funny moments. He got one of those oh my goodness on his face. <laughs> Esme in, in Discord almost passed out when that happened. Yeah. Oh my oh oh my goodness, <laughs> dear Jesus. <laughs> oh, 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 I've got the vapors. Um, hopefully he doesn't have the vapors because his pants are down. At some point uh, ringside, though, they zoomed in on his groinal region. I'm trying to be PG-13 here. They zoomed in on his crotch, and he had a printout of Tully Blanchard's Tully Blanchard. face on his junk. What in the – what? I don't know. I don't what know what am I about. supposed to I... read into that? It was it was definitely a night of overexposure. MJF, you know, gave like a little crotch grab to himself to to mock Jungle Boy, and I swear one of his entire right nuts popped out. <laughs> uh, there was I saw way too much skin in that area at that particular moment. Yeah. Uh, but he, yeah, so here we have Sean Spears who gets you know basically beaten down to his skivvies and then beaten up by Dustin Rhodes. One, two, three. Um, so all right, so we get a reset for Dustin. He comes back looking strong after getting absolutely murdered by Lance Archer. So he's back. He gets a reset button. But here's Sean Spears being humiliated. Now, if this was WWE, we'd be sitting here going, okay, who did he piss off backstage? But this is AEW. He's in control of his own destiny. They're all working together. So he's not only you know, involved in putting together his news segment, which we thought was, you know, kind of a funny entertainment, goofy segment for a guy who we thought was being taken seriously at first. But then you have this. So should we not be taking Sean Spears so seriously in AEW? Like we keep complaining about his win-loss record and when is he going to be a serious contender for Cody? Should we let that go and just let him be whatever he feels like he wants to be, which seems to be more an entertaining mid-carder? Maybe. I don't know if that's been thought through or determined yet. Um, but I, I'm getting the impression that we're supposed to be laughing at some of the antics of Sean Spears at this point, uh, you know, starting in the last couple of weeks, uh, especially after the, the stuff with, with Dustin Rhodes and everything over the last, you know, when he was making fun of Cody two weeks ago, and then he did the news segment this week, and now we see the stuff that went on on Double or Nothing. I'm sitting here kind of scratching my head going, this is the chairman. This is the guy that showed up and gave Ch Cody a chair shot to the, straight to the head a year ago, at Double or Nothing. And now he's getting disrobed and torn down to his skivvies and his sock garters and made to look like a buffoon with a printout picture of Tully Blanchard on his junk. And yeah. I, I'm going, I'm very confused. So I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what they're doing with him or what, what I'm supposed to think of Sean Spears at this point. He's not the chairman anymore. He's not. I mean, he needs to shave that mohawk or something, do something different because he ain't else. that crazy guy anymore. Yeah, I'm, and I'm curious where they're going with him now because now I'm not sitting here going, oh, he's future main eventer, future champion. He's something else. Yeah. So now I'm very curious what the plans are we'll see. with Sean Spears, but wait and see. You called this one. Um, I thought Sean Spears was going to go over, but I was wrong, and now I'm having to reassess 
what uh, what I think about his future in the yeah. company. I, I think it's. I mean, he's gonna be fine, but I just mean like what role he's gonna play. Right. Um. Also, have to reassess the women's division because the women's title match was next. Nyla Rose versus Hikaru Shida. Uh, Shida has been chasing for a while, undefeated all year, seven and one, only lost to Nyla Rose. And uh, so this was. I didn't realize till the match started, but this was pinfalls, submissions. But aside from that, no holds barred. Yeah. And basically go for it. There's no, dequ- no, no DQ, basically. So they were trading shots with that uh, kendo stick all the way up from the beginning of the match to the end of the match. Nyla bringing out Hikaru Shida's kendo stick. Um, and they beat the crap out of each other. The two, these two ladies beat the absolute crap out of each other inside and outside the ring. The shots were stiff. There were some huge bumps um, all over the place. Th- these, two, these two ladies went right. in this match. And I'm going to rate this as one of the top women's matches they've had so far in AEW, actually. Um, and the one thing that I kind of was... I, I went back and forth on is right before this match, they had a, uh, an homage to uh, Hana Kimura, who passed away last night. Yep. And who was actually a friend of Hikaru Shida's and a training partner. And, and she, you know, um, who she worked with in Japan. And, um, I, you know, as we now know, Hana Kimura, one of the reasons why she passed away was from being bullied. And then in this match, they made several references to Nyla Jax being a bully. Nyla Jax? I love it. Nyla, Nyla Jax. Nyla Rose, excuse me, uh, being a bully. <laughs> been a long I, I day, look, guys. You'll give us a pass, I look, please. It has been a long day. <laughs> I, look, I was looking past you at your Nia Jax shrine there. Excuse right. me. Uh, but Nala Rose is a bully. And I, I just, ee, I kind of recoiled for a second and was like, is that entirely appropriate when, uh, uh, you know, a promising young Japanese star is, is, you know, takes her own life because of bullying. And then the next day we're seeing a young Japanese star getting beat up by a woman you're calling a bully. Uh, that just seemed like just kind of played a little wrong to me. Maybe I'm just being overly sensitive to it, but it just, uh, when they said that, I kind of went, uh. but at the end of the day, Hikaru Shida gets that kendo stick back at the end of the match. They're both beaten, beaten to crap and she hits Nyla upside the head with it and then takes her down. One, two, three. Hikaru Shida is your new champ. Um, knee strike to finish it, by the way, not the kendo stick. Um, what do you think of not only this match, but of Hikaru Shida ending Nyla Rose's somewhat short reign as champion? I, I'm scared to share my thoughts here. I'm, I'm going to be real honest. Go for it. Um, you, you said the words, you took the words right out of my mouth. Nyla Rose's fairly short reign. And I'm, I'm hesitant to even bring this up. Did we make a change in this, uh, in a in a sort of tribute or in a a way? I I don't know how the right way to say it. Did we change the outcome <laughs> of the match in in light of the events that took place this week? I think is the I, nicest I, way yes. I can say that. Without I wondered being, that too because, because I, it was an emotional finish. It was an emotional finish. Yeah. You know, she she dedicated it to Hana Kimura. She was crying at the end. It was a very emotional, beautiful moment. moment. Absolutely. And loved if it. 
if that was the case, you know, she she beat Nyla Rose believably. I agree with that. And Nyla still looked like an absolute monster, even in defeat. It just looked like Hikaru Shida just she had to fight for her life against a monster. It was essentially like if Cody Rhodes had beaten Archer without any help. Yeah. You'd had to made him look like he absolutely just, you know, manned it's up and beat him. It's funny you bring that up. I have the same kind of feelings about the outcome of this one as I did against Lance. We saw Nyla Rose, and, and frankly, um, uh, Hikaru got more offense in than Cody did in that match. By but far. then at the end, it's it takes a single kendo stick to the head to put Nyla well, down. Well, it was a single kendo it looked like she knocked her the hell out. She broke the stick over her head. It I, was a I damn agree. good looking spot. I agree. She knocked. She, you got knocked the f out. You know, and just, Nyla, Nyla sold it beautifully too. Yeah. So I, I'm wondering. We both picked Nyla. The I think the overall impression was that Nyla would retain, and, I, and that's what's giving yeah. me the second guessing skeptic skepticism in my head. Going, is, but it, I think it was a beautiful moment. Don't get me wrong, guys. But I I'm, I have to wonder in the back of my the, head is are they are they doing that yeah. for a reason the only thing that i think is you know that maybe if Britt baker had been in the match with chris and then had won that match if that was the plan then it would make more sense for her to then challenge hikaru shida yeah than it would for her to challenge nyla rose so maybe this was in the works from before this is one of those things we all we can do is speculate yeah and say what was this if their plan was to put it on shida it does make nyla's reign seem very short for a woman who came into this and said, I'm going to be a one-reign champion um, and who's been built as such a monster. So To the, to the point yeah. about the whole bullying angle, if there's anybody that gets bullied more than anyone else in this world, it is trans people. So I'm going to give them a pass on, on Nyla playing a bullying angle in, in, well, in, in, it was in professional more the, wrestling. You know what I mean? It was the, more, it was the impression of the moment. So I'm not, I'm not I'm not I'm not losing sleep at night over the fact that they were using that in light of what what happened this week. Plus the other things were about talking down and doing those kinds of things in a different medium and things like that. I think they're the the it, it's apples and oranges to me because I think about any kind of bullying angle in professional wrestling has to do with someone who's a bigger and dominant and more powerful force exerting their physical dominance over somebody versus someone that's doing a lot of childish name-calling and talking down to and things like that that will screw someone up mentally. And, and I right. think it is a completely different kind of thing, even though it is in the same sphere of, of mental health. I, I just I think it's different things when you're putting on a show like this. So, Yeah. 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 And maybe that's all it was, was just they needed to build the match and just didn't put the two and two together and... You know, yeah. we can always let it go. Uh, but yeah, very curious to see what the women's division looks like with the face on top, with Hikaru Shido on top. Uh, lots of new ways to perceive the division we'll see. going forward. So yeah, we will see. And next we had one of our co-main events, John Moxley. John Moxley versus Mr. Brody Lee in a match that <laughs> really neither guy should win because it makes the person who loses bad. But yet, Nick... I'll be goddamned if they didn't make a match that I thought was absolutely fantastic. It was all right. And I, then to, at the I, end, it got really hot. and It got real good at the end. I was actually, they beat the absolute crap out of each other for most of the match. And I actually was, when I put my bias against the match's existence out of the way, 
it was a great match from start to stop. If sure. you go watch it again, Nick, and put it out, put that out of the way, oh, put I your will. preconceived notions out of the way, it's a damn good match. They beat the absolute piss out of each other, um, all over the place, like just spots into furniture, spots into barricades, um, big moves. But as you said, it really picked up at the end when they went outside the ring onto the ramp, the entrance ramp, and it looked at first like Brody was going to power bomb John onto it. But then John reversed it and got a paradigm shift on uh, Brody, took him off. The, there was two steps down to the ring, took him off the top step onto the platform below and went right through the goddamn platform, just crunched right through it. And, man, you know, we watch a lot of wrestling. We've seen a whole lot of crash-through spots. I didn't see this one coming a mile away. No. I genuinely jumped when they went through. Yeah, the, the gimmick ramp was, was, and then I immediately thought, oh, they need to find somewhere to hide so that, that one of them can blade. And sure enough, Brody Lee comes up after medical comes staff are called out and all of this yeah. stuff, and Brody Lee comes up with a little watery blood going down his face. And yeah, that it's, it's, it made a lot of sense to do it that way. It gives them a little bit of credence to Moxley being able to get over someone that's that big in stature and presence. Uh, I get that. They needed one thing to kind of take take him down enough to where Moxley could get her. But at the same time, I was watching the beginning of this match, and when Brody Lee came out, I was listening really close. I watched his entrance and his graphics maybe for the first time in the most detail because I've been pretty harsh on how they've delivered Brody Lee to us since his debut. And even his Tron, with the eye on the forehead and the music and the smoke and everything going on, gives you that final boss vibe. His music, yeah, absolutely. It's very ominous, and it's like, oh my goodness, this is like when this dude's showing up, mm -hmm. shit's about to go down, right? But you know what? Here's the thing is, all we didn't have was going through all the other guys to get to him. But we kind of even sort of did. He went through 10. He went through a few of the other goons. It's just it was too easy. Yeah. It was like it's like the final boss in a level with all guys that you can like, you know, it's 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 like if the level's full of Goombas and you're just you're bopping them on the head once and they die, and you get to the final boss and all of a sudden it's it's like, you know, the uh I'm I'm like you know, Sephiroth at the end of Final Fantasy sure. seven. And you're like, wait, wait, what how do we scale from here to here? L you know, that kind of doesn't work. Because he did look like an absolute world ender into this. He he climbs up. Moxley gets out of the 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 pit in the in the entryway. Crawls back into the ring. Brody comes back, as you say, covered in blood. He eats a paradigm shift. Kicks out on one. Moxley starts absolutely just lambasting him, just beating the absolute crap out of him, just wailing on his head. Bites him on the forehead. Forearms him. Bites him on the forehead. Beats the crap like scraping and clawing and beating at him. And Brody starts gets up and starts fighting back. So he gives him two more paradigm shifts. And the dude kicks out again. He kicks out again. And Moxie immediately goes into a sleeper hold and actually has to choke him out and put him to sleep to get him to stop to actually finally beat him. So Brody looked like an, a final boss. Like this match made him feel like he was a final boss. It accomplished something that they haven't been able to do yet, which is make him feel dangerous yeah. and make him feel like, like, as you said, a final boss. The problem was the build of this wasn't good, and the problem that we have now is we have to, like, where does he go from here? This was our issue coming into this. Brody's been saying this whole time. He's been abusive to his, to his followers and saying, you know, I'm setting the example. I need to beat him because to set the example for my followers. Well, now you've failed. Now you've lost. 
where does it go from here? And it's kind of a bigger deal than Seth Rollins losing to Drew McIntyre, where he even had a crisis of faith in himself. He had one follower who he's very nice to and hugs a lot. It's a different situation. And he went and had a huge crisis of faith. Faith Brody has been built differently than that. Yep. So now that he's lost, what's his next step? Well, as, as we nailed it here? exactly in the chat, the, my exact thoughts was felt like these guys were supposed to meet months from now. Right. But instead they faced each other now. Yeah, I, 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 and if I'm being honest, that was probably the plan. It, it should it, have it been was, Stu Grayson we, we, and Evil Uno. This whole pandemic like thing showed match. up, and we probably yeah. were supposed to have Stu Grayson, Evil Uno in a series of matches and, and, and disputes and conflicts Handicap leading match or all something. the way yeah. up to whatever the next pay-per-view was going to be. And at some point, they just could not get it done against Mox, and they, had, they would have had to wheel out the final boss. And yeah, and then all of a sudden he comes out, grabs the Infinity Gauntlet, and goes, "Fine, I'll do it myself." Hey, bingo! And that's so. There's something. I don't know how they get, come back from this because you just over delivered in this way. But now, how, what do you do with Brody Lee? Does he go back, lick his wounds, and regroup with the Dark Order? Who, do, who does he challenge? Like, like he just cut off his legs. Like, how does he? Now, how do we take him seriously as a threat? Like, yes, he can go in a match, but he's still lost. So, yeah, how do we, how do we rehab Brody Lee at this point? Uh, and also, uh, something that everyone was kind of getting squeamish about, um, they just had a blade job yeah. on TV. And by the end of this, Moxley was covered in, in Brody's blood, including like up around his face area and on his mouth. And uh, given the current uh, health situation in the world, this seems like the wrong time. Uh, and I know it's wrestling, and if it were, if everything were normal in the world, I would have thought this was awesome. And I'd have been so all about it. Like, That's awesome! That's so red mock. She looks like an absolute maniac. The, oh, it was so cool. But I couldn't help but look at it and be like, you, you, uh, uh, you know, the germophobia. The blade job real. was one thing. Moxley taking his open mouth and putting it right over the top of the wound on his forehead to simulate <laughs> biting him on his forehead is like a whole other level of that squeamishness. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I Like, normally I kind of go, ew. <laughs> ew, that's kind of grody. But now I'm like, uh. I mean, obviously... Yeah, you know, these guys are in here breathing all over each other, sweating all over each other. Like at that point, what's a little blood between brothers? You know what I mean? <laughs> like at that point, might you might as well at that point. Yeah. But uh, it was still as a visual. Uh, if anyone was tuning into this and being like, "Yo, um, I can't leave my house," and dude sucking blood out of this guy's forehead. Right. Exactly. Uh, what? Things are different down in Florida, I reckon. So. Uh, Kyle in the super chat with five bucks. Thank you very much, sir. Says uh, something tells me Hager was supposed to be it, but they realized it wouldn't work. Also, chances the doctor did the blade job for Brody Lee. Eh, there might have been somebody yeah, hiding under the ring there, under that gimmick ramp. Sure. I mean, sure. there's a million things that could have gone under there. It could have been a hard way, but I doubt it. You know, like who it, knows? It was, too, uh, it was too thin and runny. Usually, they let them blade themselves. Yeah. Um, maybe he just, you know, passed him the, the, the gig and, you know, yeah. but, um, I don't think Hager was supposed to be the, the leader of, of, uh, dark order. That was, is that what you're implying from, here, Kyle? I, I don't think that either. Cause from what I understand, like Brody was it for a while. Cause he's, he goes back with, uh, Stu Grayson and evil Uno, like a long, a long ways. They yeah. go way back. 
He's actually bummed that they're stuck in Canada because he's like, dude, the whole thing was to be able to go there and hang with my dudes. Well, Brody's from Rochester, so, so he, I mean, up, upstate New York, basically Canada. <laughs> yeah, they they well, they worked Chikara together and like yeah. a lot of the stuff up there. So, yeah. um, he said no. Oh, Hager, Hager being mock- well, didn't they have? Well, they he had just that was. Match. Yeah, yeah, we already had that match. Yeah, he just, I'm, he just had. Yeah, we're past. So that. no, I I think that I think that we just had the Hager match, and they don't seem to like to do multiple pay per views with the same opponents. So they seem to like to move on, which means we're moving on to Moxley versus Cage next, which be interesting to see where that goes. Yep. Looking forward Speaking to of that. final bosses. Jesus Speaking Christ. of final bosses, jeez, <laughs> he came in looking like a final boss, ripping, ripping ladders apart. Uh, he came so, in yeah. looking just like a boss. <laughs> <laughs> As he always does. So we both picked Moxley to retain here. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens with Mr. Brody next. But Nick, this brings us to the last match of the night. And really, honestly... The main event. Is it even is it even fair to call this a match? Yeah, there was a pinfall. There was refs. It was a match. They were um, they were calling field goals. They were calling penalties. They were this watching was the stadium stampede match. <laughs> it was a stadium stampede match. And Nick, any attempt by you or I to try to summarize this is going to fail. We're going to try. We'll try to throw out some of the crazy shit that happened in this. But the bottom line is. Holy shit. Go, watch this match. If, it was 45 liked, minutes. If you liked the Boneyard match at WrestleMania, you're going to love this. But this was the Boneyard match on acid yeah. and like, like the doctor's match, the laughing gas that you get in the doctor's office. Uh, nitrous, excuse me. Like, and, and I, I, it was so insane. It was just 45 minutes of insanity. It was... Similar to the Boneyard match, only in the sense that it was pre-recorded and there was a lot of, of cuts that they obviously like just to, just to get some, you know, that they had pre-recorded so they could do the, these cuts and make it a little bit hyper, more than realistic. Um, but that's, I don't know, that's where the similarities ended. There was a lot of just like kind of punching and selling in the Boneyard match. In this, it was just, it was nonstop gimmicks. It was nonstop crazy shit. Like whether, whether you had, like you said, Matt Jackson doing a moonsault off of the... Uh, uh, the goalpost. I mean, again, we, it's 45 minutes of nonstop stuff. You also had Matt doing uh, the rollover suplexes on Sammy Guevara the entire length of the field. Jericho beating up the Jaguars mascot, uh, and then having Hangman running a line over him the, the the with the with the with the line marker for the field. Hangman chasing Sammy off the field, riding a horse, and ending up in a bar and having a huge bar fight with Jake Hager. Cowboy shit. Oh my God! Like that a bar Wild fight West saloon, fantastic. <laughs> Matt Hardy at one point, um, Santana Ortiz were trying to drown Matt Hardy in the pool that they have in the stadium, and he kept changing into different gimmicks underwater. This that, that might just, be my favorite thing of the whole uh, m- match. I'll do air quotes. Whole, and say match. I keep thinking of moments in it and being like, "Oh, that was really great too. That was really great too. That was really great too." Whether it was football references, like. Um, like Jericho trying to pin, I believe it was Nick Hardy or Nick uh, Jackson, and um, and not believing that Aubrey counted only two, so he asked her to go to a replay. They both went to the replay booth, um, or or Nick pelting him with footballs. Yeah, um, and the whole thing started off. There was a ring in the middle of the of the of the football stadium. They came out with the football entrances and all ran each other in this big brawl around the ring. But they spent maybe five minutes in that ring. I, I don't remember total. anybody actually being in the ring. They were in the ring for a hot second, yeah. and then they stopped being in the ring. Right, uh, and it just went all over. This was absolute freaking chaos, 
And Nick, I'm I'm going to just say this right now. Um, there was another company that coined the term sports entertainment. Yeah. And I don't know in my entire life if I've ever seen something as consistently sports entertaining for as long ever. Yeah. 45 minutes of pure sports entertainment. And just nonstop little little like little funny funny moments happening or funny like gags nonstop. Like there is and a lot of the other ones that we see of this, there's moments where they're chasing each other and, and like kind of like fighting and we're waiting for them to get all the way down the hallway, you know, whether it's whether it's Randy and Edge, whether it's AJ and Daniel Bryan fighting out in the concourse, like we're waiting for them to get somewhere. Here, bang, 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 gag, 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 funny moment, funny moment. Whether it's even things that they were saying to each other, you know, like like uh, Santana jumping in the pool to beat up Matt Hardy and telling Ortiz to get in, and Ortiz, it's a it's a pool that's like three feet deep, and Ortiz is like, I can't swim. Matt Hardy, so. uh, or probably Damascus at this point, uh, duct taping him into a chair of wheels, and I thought for sure we were going to get a naked gun spot where he was going to OJ him down the stairs of the stadium <laughs> in the wheelchair. Uh, and they would just like cut it out and use like one of those uh, heavy bodies, they're like the beanbag bodies, just to yeah. have it just roll down the steps and take Ortiz out. Uh, that would have been fantastic. The um, the horse spots, and then uh, also they they brought the golf cart back to chase Sammy Guevara again uh, down the field in another golf cart spot with Kenny hanging out the side of it, pointing at him doing the bang, yeah, finger, calling back to that guns. to their now famous spot, yeah. yeah just, there, Chased Sammy up into the stands. It's impossible for us to to break all of this down effectively. It's yeah. it, people are going to want to compare this to the Boneyard match and to the Firefly Funhouse match at WrestleMania, and I would posit that that's not a fair comparison. This they're yeah, both this was great a- for their own things and their own reasons and their own deliveries. This is what we want. And this is what I want to reinforce. This is the kind of stuff that we want in our sports entertainment. And our, we got plenty of wrestling, and we got some big old healthy dose of sports entertainment. These companies are innovating in the times and the climate that we're in. They're going outside the box. They're thinking yes. about how to do So look at this glass half full. They're trying some new cool shit. And we're, look at how much we all enjoyed the stadium stampede match tonight. So that, oh, my God. I, I, I said at one point in the chat... My mouth was dry because my because my jaw was hanging open the entire time, just with a big goofy grin on my face. Yes. And and here's the thing: the other great thing about this is that word of this will spread. There's going to be gifts being made of this. Like there's there's 45 minutes of gifts in this thing. Like there's reaction stuff. This is going to go viral in a major way because there's so much funny stuff that happened in it. And the best part about it is. That's competition. Yep. That's going to inspire people in WWE and in other companies to go, damn, can we do stuff like that? Can we, can, how do we top that? How do we, what can we take from that and try to do our own spin on it? This is the sort of thing that people look at and get inspired. Well, if you don't think go, Vince is, okay. if you don't think Vince is shopping for a football stadium right now, you're wrong. Uh, as they said in the chat, I think Vince is out of the football game for now. Oh. <laughs> um, at least until he settles that, uh, that, that lawsuit with Mr. Luck. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if he wants to get into football right now. Um, uh, but yeah, so this this is the thing is, it's it's I can't I can't talk. I just watch this match, just watch this match, and I want to go back and rewatch it right now. I'm gonna turn it on as it's, soon as we're done here. Oh yeah, it's hard not to be hyperbolic about this because it was just so damn 
entertaining. And it was a bunch of guys who have so much creativity just bleh, exploding it all over your screen. Ew. So it was magnificent. Uh, what a way to end the show. It was basically that I didn't think it was possible, but that street fight that we had between uh, Matt Hardy, Kenny Omega, Sammy Guevara, and Jericho, that was just a warm-up. That was a teaser for this. And that's hard to wrap my head around now. Yeah. Uh, but, but yet, here we are. Um, we both actually, it's funny, we both thought an inner circle was going to take this. Uh, they but got it turns out throughout most of the they, whole thing. They got, yeah, they all they all got taken out. Jake Hager got uh, cowboy lariated over the bar, left for dead. Uh, Ortiz, as you said, he got taped up in a chair. Santana, I don't even remember what happened to Santana, but he he got left somewhere. Jericho got uh, taken out and then had a line written uh, sprayed over him. They chased Sammy up into the stands with the golf cart, went up after him. Uh, he got spooked by Neo One, the replacement for Vanguard. So now we have a, we have a new Vanguard One called Neo One, and then he took the the biggest one winged angel ever off of the stands over the entrance ramp uh, onto some sort of cushiony thing below. But it still looked when they first went off, it looked it was like oh god no. And they replayed so, it three or four times for us, so you could just see how high it, it good was. Every time. Oh my god, it looked good every time. Oh my god. Oh. Mm. Absolutely fantastic. End of the match. Boom. One, two, three. <sighs> and that was the match. So, yeah, the elite, they pose at the end. They're all reunified. They all pose in front of the fireworks going off behind them in front of this football stadium. And my God, the, I, I don't I have to throw all out here. Also, Nick, it was also so entertaining to hear the commentary guys who hadn't obviously hadn't seen the match. And they were just calling it live while they were watching it. It was taped last night, and they played it tonight, so they, edit, they could chop it together. And then they had uh, Shivani and, and JR talk over it, and they were just cracking up the entire time. They were obviously having as much fun as we were, and that was just, it was so much fun. Well, there you go, guys. Uh, what were the finals here of the Pickums? Finals was me with six, you with five. I squeaked out because I picked Cage to be the, uh, the right. ninth man. So I squeaked out a victory on that. Nick, what were your overall thoughts on this pay-per-view? Going into it, I didn't get the sense that either of us were like doing backflips with excitement for this pay-per-view. But after watching it, you paid 50 bucks. I paid 50 bucks. Our listeners paid 50 bucks, some of them. And if you didn't pay 50 bucks, then you're hearing what 50 bucks will buy you. Do you feel like it was worth 50 bucks? I'm going to wag my finger at you if you didn't. Why? That's why, that's why we exist, Nick. Well, I'm saying if you watched it but didn't. I'll, I'll, oh, I'll, I'll see, I see where I'm going saying. now. Okay. Ah, uh, yes. If you the, if you these were not able to watch it, worked their asses off to put on a show for you. So, yeah. Uh, I too, as a teenager, snuck into the movie theater. I get it, but oh come on, you know Papa I mean? Nick. Here we go. Here comes the <laughs> Papa Nick. Overall, over delivered. AF. I agree. I agree. And and you know what? The else I'm looking down at something that. You know, I, I've said before about wrestling shows, like at best they should be a buffet of different things so you never get tired of something. And Cody actually used that word in his call recently too, that he wanted to create a buffet. I'm looking down this and you know what? With the exception of the women's, even the women's matches, like there was nothing that was really the same. Yeah. You had a, you had a crazy ladder match. MJF versus Jungle Boy was it was a technical one-on-one, in-the-ring kind of match. Cody versus Lance Archer was a brawl, 
um, and just you know a, a a big monster beating down a baby face who had a plucky comeback. Penelope Ford versus Chris Statlander was, I think, that's the closest thing you had to MJF and Jungle Boy, except it was a women's match. Um, Sean Spears and Dustin Rhodes was a cathartic, you know, good guy return match. Nala Rose Hikaru Shida was knockdown, drag out women's fight that kind of went all over the place. Moxie versus Brody was similar to that, but, um, you know, it, to me, that one felt more like hands where, the, like, it was just the two of them with their, with their mitts as opposed to Nala Rose and Sheeta, which felt more like they were using implements. Right. Um, and then, of course, Stadium Stampede, which was like nothing else. And so you had your technical wrestling matches. You had your sports entertainment. You had a little bit of a lot of different things. And as a result, the time flew by. Like, we were in the chat. We were even saying, like, oh, damn, has it already been three hours? So when a pay-per-view does that, when it doesn't feel like a slog, when you don't get to a match and go, oh, no, not this, that's impressive. And that has to be called out. Like, they did a good job. I was entertained the entire time and in different ways. So props to them for putting together a good show. Yeah, um, I'm not going to say it's the best pay-per-view ever made, but it was, it was damn good. I give it a BB plus. No, easily. I'm, I'm going to go A-. minus. I thought it was stronger than ever. I, I, I don't, I'm not sure I really liked the outcome of a couple of matches, but I'm not going to let that try to influence too much of my judgment over it overall. The, mm. the, I mean, if we had to be super nitpicky, the Sean Spears Dustin Rhodes thing was a little bit overdone. That could have been handled in a spot on Dynamite. Did we really need that? Not really. Do we need Sean Spears in his underwear with a comedy Tully Blanchard thing on yes. his junk? Not really. Yes. Not, I that no, that was great. Not really. I mean, it was a good break. It was a good yes. It was a good. We breath need some comedy in between all of this. I get it. Um, yes. the, the Statlander and Penelope Ford thing. I mean, that could have been done on Dynamite. But I love that these ladies are getting some time on the pay per views. I don't want to yep. take that away. I loved the ladder match. Uh, I loved the stadium stampede. Just there, there was not a lot to dislike on this paper. Agree. Strong, strong A, A minus for me uh, on this one. And I can't wait. I'm going to go watch it again immediately while I'm editing all three shows we've done today <laughs> uh, for the next four hours. I might get. I'm going to be sleeping yeah. all day tomorrow. But you have to forgive us if we're a little bit fried right now, yeah. guys, and, and we're 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 misspeaking and stumbling a little bit because uh, we, we. It's been a day. A day of it's days. been a day. We it's said it at day. the beginning of the very first show today. Today is going to be a day today. of days. And it was. It was. Ten hours of, of doing shows and, and, and live streaming and chatting and watching everything. So, But it's been a lot of fun. Thank yeah. you guys for sticking with us. Uh, uh, if you watched Double or Nothing, we hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't, and this was just your way of recapping it, it was a great show. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our recap of it. And, uh, just take, and that your takeaway is that we were very entertained by this show and dear god yes if you have a chance to watch that stadium stampede match that's or just go online and find the gifts because it's it's freaking amazing yeah twitter is a but, lot of uh, fun the little bit of time i looked at between the end of the show and when we got oh, on man. here i was just scrolling through real quick and just just go I, look at twitter for the next couple hours it's it's i a haven't lot even had time <laughs> right oh my god well there you go guys yes. aew double or nothing we've reached the first anniversary of what is really thought of as the start of AEW, which was their Double or Nothing pay-per-view last year, all the way back at Memorial Day before Double or Nothing ultimately started six months later. Or sorry, uh, Dynamite started six months later. So yeah. here we are, technically a year in, six months in to, to the TV, weekly TV. I was ready to go again. I was there last year. I was yep. ready to go again this year. I was year. ready I was to raring, find an excuse to be in Vegas for a weekend. Go. I love being in Vegas on Memorial Day weekend. There's, Same, there's no other but, place, you know. 
Uh, quite like it. Uh, we've got Coca-Cola 600 happening tomorrow here in North Carolina for you NASCAR fans that are into that stuff. Not many people are, but we are having listen, racing yeah. again. Look, what? Ha- listen. Not many people are NASCAR people? Hold on. Oh, there's I, I don't know. Fine. I'm sure wrestling fans and NASCAR fans are somewhat mutually aligned. Uh, the point I was getting to was like we've we've had our wrestling to keep us through these times. We've got NASCAR coming back uh, last night, Friday night. The Players Association in the NHL uh, unanimously voted to have a 24 team battle royale all throughout the summer for the Stanley Cup championship. We're getting back. Baseball is working their shit out to try and figure out how they come back, potentially with no yep. fans or limited audience. Everybody take a deep breath. If there's breath. any sport ready to come back, it's baseball because they're already socially distanced in that, right, in that thing. Right. Except when you're on a base. You're 90 feet away from each other. That's a lot more than six feet. <laughs> Unless you get on base, exactly. Right. Uh, so <laughs> the point I was trying to get to was all of our stuff is slowly and slowly coming back. We all owe a big debt of gratitude and thanks to professional wrestling for keeping all of our favorite wrestlers safe, keeping everybody distanced, keeping everybody tested, all of the work and effort that's gone into that. Uh, and I think this is absolutely a culmination of what we're seeing. The crowd noise was a huge breath of fresh air tonight. Oh, my That was God, another yes. big thing I wanted to bring up. I don't know who all of those people were. A lot of them were rostered superstars, and there were a lot of other people that were just there, whether they were crew or whatever was going on. But it really, really, really made a big Family, difference. Family, other wrestlers, yeah. or what? It, who knows what it was. Oh, my God, it was refreshing to hear people doing chants and holy shit chants and and this is awesome chants and booing the heels and cheering the faces and yep. calling out stuff. Oh. Wrestling has oh, been here so for good. us when we've needed it to get us by until all of our favorite sports could come back. So now that they are coming back, let's make sure that we uh, show some love and appreciation and just be kind and be nice to everybody that's out there. Thank them. I, I am overwhelmingly thankful for the amazing show that we just got to watch by AEW. They really yep. went above and beyond. Uh, much like I would say the same for WWE with WrestleMania six weeks ago. Uh, the yeah, way that they pulled that off. Agreed. like It was over and above what I expected it potentially yeah. could have been. So thank you to everybody at AEW, all of the roster, the staff, everybody involved. And thank you guys for hanging out with us all freaking day today. Jesus, all night. Uh, it has been an absolute blast. Uh, if you guys would like to come over and join us for more stuff with the wrestling, come over and join us in Facebook. Just search for Busted Wide Open, like our page. Send us a join request to get into the discussion group with us. Uh, come follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Subscribe to our channel here on YouTube at youtube.com slash Busted Wide Open and make sure you turn your notifications on. We start BWO Daily, our new daily segment on Monday. Mm. So we will be getting that out to you. Uh, and last but certainly not least, can't not thank the patrons. Thank you guys so much. If you'd like, the, it is the best way to support the show. So if you guys would like to get in on some of those exclusives, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Amen. And you know what, Nick? I, I'm just going to reiterate this at the end of the show. Okay. As you like to say, don't be a dick yep. and be excellent to each other. Yes. And on that note, my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But my God! Will somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com.